Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 115, BMW, what is the ultimate driving machine experience? Uh, before we get started, a quick commercial. <laughs> um, if you go to podbean.com, which is the main distributor uh, and publisher of this podcast, uh, do a search for Brad Kyle's MotorWorks podcast. When you get to the homepage there, upper right-hand corner, you'll see a, a uh, icon for become a patron. If you click on that, it gives you the opportunity, if you so desire, uh, to help out support the podcast. Uh, I'm basically looking for a $5 a month donation. Uh, again, it helps to support ongoing training, uh, the cost of the podcast. And um, you can give less, you can give more. It's up to you. Um, you know, obviously, many, many of these podcasts are available for free, but I did, and, and for those that, that want to subscribe and are willing to do that, uh, the, the bonus you get is that I did make a number of the podcasts available only as on subscription. Um, you can see a list of them, a short list of them there when you're just looking at the main homepage for becoming a patron. And uh, I chose the ones that uh, if you apply what I talk about in those particular podcasts, um, I know it can save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars in your car ownership and driving uh, life and probably a pretty good amount of frustration, too, as well. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, it, it's it's stuff that I've learned over the years that, again, if you apply it, um, you know, I certainly have talked to a lot of people about some of these different things like, you know, should you buy an extended service contract and and like I say, there's about a dozen or so of them, uh, if not more. And, of course, there'll be ones in the future that I choose to go that route as well. So I appreciate if you can help support. Uh, it certainly, uh, you know, means a lot. And uh, we go from there. So anyway, so getting back, what is the ultimate driving machine experience? Is it just a catchphrase or a marketing slogan? Is it just a come on lie to sell more cars? Is it a design, building, and production philosophy that is prevalent through an entire company and what drives almost everything they do? Or is it something that can only be perceived and felt when actually driving the car? Well, in my opinion, it's all of these things and more. Okay. Uh, by the way, these are all my own words and thoughts and, and opinions and uh, experience of working on and driving these cars. So... I'm not reading from an article or anything. This is this is my own stuff. So, um, BMW builds cars for people who are seat of the pants type of drivers. And what do I mean by that? Um, the it, it a person who's a seat of the pants driver can tell the difference from uh, in the driving experience from one car to another. Okay, um, you know I certainly believe that driving a car is more than just getting from A to B. Although, ultimately, why do we get into a car? Okay, uh, Probably not just to sit into it. Maybe. Some of us do. Eh? <laughs> Maybe it's got the best sound system that you own. I, I don't know. Uh, but let's face it. Most of us get into a car to basically, when you cut it right down to the bare bones minimum, to go from A to B. Okay, The whole thing is, is what experience do you have, if any, from getting to getting from A to B? Is it simply that's it? I, I went from here. And I got to there. Okay. Did anything else happen in the meantime? What was the experience of getting from A to B? Okay. Um, I, I think certainly it should be, can be, and should be more than just getting from A to B. Okay. And and certainly this is one of the things that differentiates, you know, one one car manufacturer's car from another. Okay. As part of it is the driving experience. So. So what is it? What, what is that experience? Well, I think it's about a physical, mental, and emotional connection between you and, machi and a machine that stops, goes, follows your inputs, and provides feedback like no other car. Okay? That's how I feel about BMWs. It's about designing a car that I think provides the best balance. I call it the Goldilocks car. 
okay? A lot of times when I'm talking with customers, we'll, you know, we'll, depending upon what their questions are or, or their comments, I look at it as, I mean, even though I've been working exclusively on BMWs now at the time of this podcast for 37 plus years, I certainly in my life have driven thousands of cars, okay? And I don't mean I own them, okay? Um, you know, I spent a lot of time at a dealership and it wasn't necessarily just working on BMWs. There was time where our, our used car technician was, you know, buried with work. He was doing safeties and, and getting basically trade-ins ready to be sold. And there was times where he was so busy that they would hand some of us BMW technicians other brands of cars that were trade-ins to work on. Okay, so I have driven thousands of cars for a very short period of time in my life. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things that most people don't necessarily have the chance or want to do that. But because of my work, that's what's happened. I mean, not to say I've driven everything. I haven't. But I certainly have driven a lot of different brands of cars. And granted, it was for a short distance. And frankly... The reason I kind of call the a BMW the Goldilocks car is is just that really it's um, you know it stops it goes it it's is it uh, you know a reasonably comfortable ride considering it is a performance car yeah I I believe it is okay uh, will other cars in straight line acceleration blow the doors off of a BMW yes they will. But when you're in those cars and doing that, sure, you step on the accelerator and you're like, oh, my God, this thing. I mean, it's just it's a beast. But don't turn the steering wheel on those cars. OK, don't when you go to when you go to stop or 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 uh, turn the car or just the way it feels. I mean, does it give you a sense of confidence in what it is you're you're trying to tell the car to do or what it is you are doing with the car? I mean, I remember one time I was in a Corvette and, um, you know, a used car. And, yeah, straight-line acceleration was just unbelievable. But as the car got up to speed, 70, 80 miles an hour, and you're like, this thing is, I mean, it was, now, granted, maybe there was things wrong with the car. But, uh, I mean, it was, you know, rattling and, and vibrating. And, I mean, any sense of confidence in that particular car, okay, was, if it ever was there, it was gone pretty quickly, for me anyway. Okay. Um, certainly there's things that can happen to a BMW that the same kinds of things can happen if things are worn out and there's looseness in the steering and so on and so forth. But that's not really the fault. That's not the fault of the design of the car. It's just there's some things that are worn out. Okay. Which is it's all fixable. Okay. It can all be uh, brought back to the way that it used to feel when it was new. It's just a matter of time and money. But um, I just really, you know, to me, a BMW, uh, it's the best balance between having, you know, a high-performance car that, that gives you this harsh ride that's all jittery and you don't want to spend more than maybe three or four hours in it um, versus, uh, you know, let's face it, there's other brands of cars that are complete rolling easy chairs, as I call them. You can barely even tell you're moving, okay, because the the car and the ride to you is so disconnected from the road that you you can't hardly tell the car is moving, okay? And some people want that. Some people want this nice cushy ride that you you know you're you're driving over, uh, you know, indulations in the road or or uh, whatever. There's a bump in the road and the car is so is so you know cushy uh, and soft suspension that you barely feel it. But the downside to that kind of a situation is that uh, don't ask that car to, to perform very well. I mean, you turn the steering wheel and the car eventually turns. <laughs> um, because it's all about, you know, that's the design philosophy. It's all about the cush, so to speak. So uh, I, remember, I remember many years ago, BMW, it was really, I went to a meeting thing. It was really most be, supposed to be more for sales type people, but... Um, BMW used to what was do what was called ride and drives, and I mean, we're, and we're talking about when I originally was working at the dealership. I started in 1984, and this is when the in Southern California there was the Riverside International Raceway in Riverside, California, uh, and it was still there. And so BMW for like two or three days they would rent the track. And typically it was when they were bringing out a specific new model, whether it was a 7 Series or whatever the case may be. And so, like I say, it was originally kind of designed more for salespeople, but our service manager would tell us, it'd say, hey, look, 
if a couple of you at the time, you know, two or three a day, and understand that, you know, we got paid uh, flat rate, okay? So if we're not working, we don't get paid. So basically the offer was is, look, if you want to take a day off from work unpaid and go to this ride and drive thing, it's going to give you a chance to be able to, you know, be with other people and drive cars at speed and also, uh, you know, do some things that are set up to where, I mean, I remember when ABS first came out and they had it set up in the infield of, of the raceway there where they had plastic sheeting and they had a guy out there with a hose and was wetting it down. So they had a 7 Series that was especially equipped where it literally had a little on-off button where you could turn the ABS on or off, okay? So the uh, experiment we got to do was load the car up with four people and uh, take the car up to 40 miles an hour, put the right-hand wheels, right-hand side wheels, on this plastic sheeting that was wet, and cram on the brakes, okay? With ABS, the car, of course, the steering wheel vibrated, and the brakes were, you know, the pedal was vibrating, but you stopped in a straight line, okay? So in other words, what, a, what does ABS do? It helps you maintain directional stability. That's what it does. Okay, in other words, you're still in control of the car, okay? And, you you know, you come to a stop, and then you pull around and go back to the start point, and you push the button, and the ABS fault light came on, which meant there was no ABS. So accelerate up to 40 miles an hour, put the right-hand wheels on this plastic strip that was all wet, and cram on the brakes. Instant spin, okay? Just boom. All you know, Some guys were doing 180s, okay? They were ending up going backwards from the way they were traveling. And what was neat was that there was four people in the car, and so you rotated around. So you got to sit in all four corners of the car, including, obviously, as being the driver. Okay, so you got to do this four times. Okay, um, and so they, they did things like that, okay, where we got to feel specifically these different new technologies that came out and how they respond in a, in this case, in a controlled situation. Okay, but the whole idea was to graphically show you what the car was capable of and what certainly could happen uh, if you didn't have some of these electronic nannies. I mean, ABS was kind of really the beginning of what we call the electronic nannies. And of course, nowadays, uh, I mean, it's just way out there. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I've been... I've been working on and, and, and owning BMWs for, like I say, 37-plus years, okay? Why? And when I say owning, realize I've only had two. <laughs> I keep things for a long time, okay? I take care of them, and I keep them for a long time. Our first BMW that we got, we got it in 1984, yeah, was a 79 528i, Okay. I uh, had that car for the better part of 20 years. Um, it, uh, you know, we, I don't remember how many miles were on it when we got it, um, but ultimately, it, and this was, of course, in the old days, this was a regular, you know, uh, the speedometer, of course, was electronic, but the odometer was, uh, it was electronic, but um, it, uh, you know, it was mechanically operated as far as internally within the speedometer head. And it was common for those old odometers to where the gears would go bad, and so the, the mileage would stop reading. It would just stick, okay? So how many miles did I didn't fix it? <laughs> Could have, but I didn't fix it. So the speedometer worked fine, but the odometer stopped working. So how many miles were on it? I have no idea. Probably well over 300,000, maybe even more. And, uh, you know, things started to wear out on it, even though I took care of it and did fluid changes and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, things wear out anyway. You know, the engine started using oil. Transmission bearings started making some noise. Differential bearings started making some noise. It was like, well, this thing is. And, of course, we had four kids, and, and uh, you know, kids can, let's say, let's face it, they, they're not necessarily the best thing for the interior of a car. You know, and it had a cloth interior. And so the whole car, I mean, it, it could have stood a a rather thorough uh, going through as far as, you know, a lot of mechanical work and a new interior and paint and the whole shebang. And um, 
I ended up, you know, it just, I, I figured up that it was going to cost me like $15,000 to go through the whole thing. And we're not even talking about a full restoration, just, you know, mechanicals and interior and paint, 15 grand. And at the time I thought, you know, sure, I could keep the car <clears throat> and do that uh, over time. Um, but you know, when you work on cars all day, kind of the last thing you want to do at the end of the day is work on another car, especially when it's your own and it's, and you're working on it for free. Um, so ultimately we, we got rid of the car and I got and still own a 2002 530i manual trans. It's an E39 body. And I plan on keeping that probably may, hopefully for the rest of my life, believe it or not. And I've already had it, um, well, I bought it in 05, yeah, 05. So I bought it when it was three years old, and it had just over 51,000 miles on it. It currently has almost 165,000 miles on it now. And, um, you know, have I done work to it? Sure, of course. I mean, uh, you know, technicians' cars wear out just like everybody else's. Um, so it's not some magical thing that we don't have to do repairs on our own cars. Uh, we do. Um, you know, and whatever happens, happens as far as I've had to replace window regulators and, and, you know, obviously do services and all the rest of it. But, you know, the question I asked myself that I said, you know, why, why have I owned and worked on these cars for as long as I have? Well, I, I believe in them. Okay. Um, I, I really truly believe that, you know, I, I, years ago I had a chance, I worked at an independent, the German car independent shop. Uh, for about two years. And so my initial, um, you know, uh, smattering of cars that I actually worked on and were exposed to, we worked on all five of the German cars, BMW, Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen, and Mercedes, okay? Now, because I was brand new technician, I originally started kind of more so on Volkswagens because they were basically the simplest car at the time, okay? This would have been in 19... Well, let's see, I started there in 79, yeah, 1979, and I left there sometime during either 80, I think it was during 81 I left there, and um, so I, I got a chance to work on Porsches and Mercedes and Audis and Volkswagens and BMWs, okay, and the thing I came to uh, the realization a number of years later when I was deciding that because that, uh, I, I left from there and I worked at a Volkswagen dealership for about two years. Okay. And the thing that was interesting was, you know, Volkswagens are, they're good cars. Um, you know, and again, we're talking about my experience was early 80s. So how they are now, I have no idea. Okay. Um, uh, because again, I mean, I started working on uh, BMWs exclusively in 1984. So, and that's all I've worked on since. So, yes, I have driven some other cars, um, but you know, most of my uh, most of my other car driving experience was when I was at dealerships, which I left the dealer realm and have been on my own since 1995. Okay. So, anyway. Um, I leave the, the, you know, like I say, I had a chance to drive all five of the different cars, the German cars. And, yes, I did work on all of them, and uh, which, you know, that, that was another learning experience. Um, but I, I left the, the independent and worked at a Volkswagen dealership for two years. And what started happening, you know, my family was growing. And, and so all of a sudden, instead of looking at Volkswagen as a product, uh, something that I work on, it was you know, we were looking at to buy a car. And all of a sudden, I started looking at the Volkswagen product from the standpoint of, well, geez, do I want to own one of these? Okay, do I want to own one and drive one? And, and, and this becomes our car. Uh, because again, I worked at a dealership. So there was, you know, the possibility of getting a decent discount and so on and so forth. And I became to the realization that it was like, you know what, I no, I don't want to own one of these cars. I don't want to drive it. I don't like the driving experience, okay? That's neither good nor bad, okay? I'm not saying that Volkswagens are bad cars. There's just not, it wasn't my cup of tea. And so once I kind of came to that realization that, you know, if I don't want to own one and drive one, why am I working on them, okay? Uh, and there was other things involved too, um, but 
it, it became like, well, I'm not really even doing what it is I want to do. You know, I came to that realization. And so I really, I got to thinking of, okay, of the cars I have worked on and driven for short distances in the past, what would I want to own and drive that would really, you know, I would, I would, I would want to drive the car. I'm looking for that driving experience. And, of course, uh, obviously it became, well, BMW, okay? And the thinking was and, and, and is, and I think this is why, you know, this is part of the ultimate driving machine experience, is that I think it does everything well, okay? I, I mean, I, I know I've already said this, but it's, you know, they, they, they stop, they go. When you point them somewhere, that's where they go. And, and you know, they, they give you uh, feedback that a lot of cars don't give, okay? Um, you know, they're not disconnected from the road. It is a, it is a sensory type of a thing. And, and that's, you know, to me, that is certainly a big part of, of the driving experience is that if you, if you're in a car that is so disconnected from the road and has this cushy ride that you can barely tell you're moving, if that's what you want, that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, and thankfully, there's a car manufacturer out there or multiple manufacturers that make a car that will fulfill that need that you have. Okay, but there's also manufacturers out there that that make pure performance cars. You know, to me, as a for instance, Porsche, uh, in some respects, I think that's more of a performance vehicle than a BMW is. Uh, there's definitely Porsches that are, you know, way more performance oriented. They have a rather harsh ride. You wouldn't want to necessarily take a long trip on it because you'd get out of it and be exhausted. Okay. Cause you're going to be just beat to death. All right. Um, because it's so connected to the road that, yeah, you feel everything you, I'm being sarcastic here. You run over a leaf and you feel it. Okay. Uh, to me, that's a little bit too disconnected or too connected, I should say. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at a balance. I'm looking at a for a car that when I want to have fun with it, um, you know, and and uh, go through a little canyon run or whatever, uh, you can do that, and the car will perform and give you feedback. But if I also want to put my family into it and get from get from A to B, but also be in a car that you know, um, if I had to make some kind of evasive maneuver to get out of the way of something, the car is going to react to it and respond. And guess what? Um, you know, there's there's a number of systems in any car that are called passive safe, passive safety systems. Things like airbags, for instance. They don't do anything for you unless you have an accident. And it's severe enough of an accident that one or more of the airbags deploy. That's called passive safety. It's basically, until that actually happens, and hopefully it never does for you, um, that system is just weight that you're lugging around and paying gasoline for to do it. Okay, but it's there for you. But there are many, many systems, certainly on a BMW, that are called active safety systems. Okay, things like ABS, dynamic stability control, uh, traction control systems. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, in today's cars, it really goes on and on and on. I mean, there's just there's so many, uh, you know, what we call electronic nannies. But, you know, I'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the old, old BMWs versus the newer ones. Okay. Um, you know, BMW, if you talk with a, uh, you know, a pure BMW aficionado or someone who's been around for a long time, like myself, I mean, when I started at the dealership in 1984, there was a total, are you ready? There was a total of six models. That's it. Six. Okay. At the time of this podcast, which is in 2021. There's a total of BMW models that are over 60 different models, okay? Uh, they're trying to build something for everybody, okay? And if you start comparing the way the old ones felt to the newer ones, and you're talking with someone who's been around BMWs for a long time, like myself, you know, there's definitely people out there that feel as if BMW has gone astray, Okay. The cars in the past years ago were definitely much more of a driver's type car, okay? Um, you know, what they have done is some of the cars definitely are softer suspension. Uh, they feel differently. 
Um, they're not as, you know, uh, feedback oriented. Okay. It's a little bit more of a cushier ride. Um, they, they feel differently. Okay. And there's definitely some people that are, you know, even upset with BMW that to them, they, like I say, they've gone astray. Um, they're, you know, they're basically building and designing. I mean, let's face it. It's all about sales. I mean, any company, uh, that makes any product, uh, do they want to sell more or less? Well, of course, they want to sell more. Okay. So certainly BMW, you know, they're watching the market. They're listening to the market. And they're trying to even, you know, forecast what are people that are going to want two, three, four years from now or five years from now or whatever. Okay. So there's, you know, over 60 different models of BMWs. And uh, for those of us that work on them, it's gotten to the point where, uh, you know, you have to look up information that you used to be able to know off the top of your head. Now you've got to look it up because there's just, you know, what, what engine does this car have? You know, what year is it? What model is it? Uh, you know, well, if, it's got, if it's got this engine, the spark plugs are replaced at this mileage. But anyway, that's that's all, you know, service type stuff. But um, as far as the driving experience, there's definitely, you know, they're trying to be more things to more people to sell more cars. Uh, in some respects, the downside to it is that some of the models have kind of lost their, um, or it's been reduced, let's say, let's say, as far as this, you know, ultimate driving machine experience. Um, it's been uh, sort of diluted in some respects. But there's other models that, hey, there it is, okay? Um, so it's really, you know, you kind of have to look at what it is you're looking for um, and just realize that, you know, I guess the beauty of having so many different models is that hopefully there is something for everybody, um, you know, as far as the BMW product is concerned. So, um, you know, like I say, you know, they're, they're marketing to a wider audience, okay? Um, in some respects, I do believe they have diluted the brand, but it's just my own opinion, okay? I certainly, to me, you know, it doesn't really matter what I want. I mean, I mean, as far as compared to what you want, uh, or what other people want. I bought the car I bought for the reasons I bought it. And like I say, I, I don't see myself buying a newer BMW. I certainly hope I don't have to from the standpoint of I, I truly do love my car. Okay, I think the E39 ch uh, 5 Series chassis is the last best uh, 5 Series that BMW made. Okay, My own personal opinion. I've said that before in other podcasts, you know, get talking about cars and stuff. And that's just, that's my own opinion. Um, I think it's the most reliable, most dependable. Certainly at its time, it was the highest technology that was available. I, I personally don't need uh, a lot of the newer technology that's available. And I, and I don't necessarily mean safety stuff. Um, obviously, we all, we all want to be in a safe car, okay? But a lot of the newer stuff, obviously, there's all kinds of bells and whistles and, you know, Bluetooth and, and just, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on, okay? I really don't need that stuff, okay? That's just me and my life. I mean, part of it is I have a four-and-a-half-mile commute. I'm not in my car too long every day, okay? So why would I want to pay for a bunch of stuff that the bottom line is is that um, I'm hardly going to have the opportunity to use it, okay? So, but again, that's me. Um, but you know, they are certainly, uh, marketing and selling to a much wider audience. And so from a sales standpoint, you know, they've done, they're doing well from that standpoint. So you got to give them credit for, um, you know, if they still were only building six models. I would imagine their sales probably have, would have gone down quite a bit. Okay. So I'll give them credit for that. Um, the other side of it is that, you know, has technology helped or hurt the driving experience? Okay. Um, you know, again, this goes back to, it's one thing if, <clears throat> you know, ABS, DSC and traction control and all the rest of it for the average person, uh, especially if they get, you know, towards the limit of adhesion or they get into a situation where they start to go into a spin or something, let's face it, the average person, uh, is not going to know what to do. And so those electronic nannies are, are definitely going to help them maintain control of the car. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is, um, you know, the ones that the nannies, as we call them, the ones that actually do get involved with, 
you know, the handling of the car and the feedback and all the rest of it, um, they can definitely help you. The funny part about it is that if you're actually trying to drive the car at speed and push it really hard, uh, the nannies actually hold you back. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so luckily, you know, BMW, in their wisdom, has realized that, hey, we're going to put some on-off switches on some of this stuff, like DSC, Dynamic Stability Control, and some of these different traction control situations. Or we're going to make it to where you can vary. You know, some of the newer cars, uh, you've got, you know, anywhere from just regular Echo or Echo Pro, uh, where it's all economy based and, and the suspension settings are kind of just, you know, designed for a, a softer ride and you're just it's just you're just having a normal drive. You're just getting from A to B or where you can push a couple of buttons and take it up to like a sport mode to where now it it changes the characteristics of the car. Uh, it, it changes the way the throttle responds. It changes the fuel injection map and the ignition and the way the transmission shifts. And if you've got any kind of electronic, electronically dampened suspension, it changes the way the suspension feels. So you actually have potentially multiple cars, so to speak, in one car. Okay. Well, that's that's a pretty neat thing. Okay. You're paying for it, um, but. You know, certainly the, the electronic stuff can be uh, definitely beneficial. It can give you a car that literally has, um, you know, multiple, sort of like multiple personalities. Hopefully that's a good thing. <laughs> it's not so much in, in human beings, but as far as in one person, but um, it gives you multiple cars in one car. Okay. Um, the downside to it is that, um, you know, uh, again, you're, the downside to it, in my mind, is that it potentially forces you or you don't have to work to actually learn how to drive the car properly, okay? Because you have all these nannies that are watching over you and protecting you, and we don't want you to get hurt. But in the meantime, uh, like I say, if you're actually trying to push the car and really have fun with it, you're doing some kind of bonsai canyon run or something, you're going to actually end up turning some of this stuff off because it will slow you down, okay? And, um, you know, it, it, it stops you from really learning how to drive a car, okay? Um, and in that uh, thought process... Um, you know, I would certainly encourage you to, and this would be true really of any car, but if you have a BMW, I would really encourage you to learn to really drive the car, okay? I would encourage you to join what's called the BMW CCA, the uh, BMW Car Club of America, okay? Uh, they have a, a monthly magazine that comes out that frankly rivals road and track. Okay, it rivals any of the big car magazines. It's put out, it's called the Rondell. It is put out by club members. And, and I seriously, this is not some little little pamphlet thingy that comes out. This is the, what appears to be a professionally made, well-written, uh, you know, great photography. I mean, this thing rivals a road and track, but it's talking about BMWs. And it's obviously talking about club events, which, of course, this last year, there hasn't been too many of them for obvious reasons. Um, but, I mean, there's it allows you to really get around other people who are like-minded, you know, and it's whatever it is you want to get out of your car, out of your BMW, but it becomes part of that, ultimate driving machine experience and what's really neat and uh, my son and I had a chance to do this we went to an Oktoberfest that was in uh, Monterey at Laguna Seca Raceway okay he and I he he has a 1993-25IS like I mentioned I have an 02-530i manual trans we took four days of high performance driving school okay in a row four days in a row I would encourage you, even if it's an afternoon thing, but you can do this through the club. There's autocross events. There's, uh, there's driving training events, so to speak. But to be able to take your car and you driving it with an instructor with you in the car, and this is not racing. It's not a timed event. You can go at whatever speed you want, okay? And hopefully as you drive the car in a, in a racetrack type of environment, so there's safety people there. If anything were to happen, you know, 
I mean, that's the place to learn, okay? So you can take your car and learn how to drive faster and learn how to drive the car properly, learn how to, uh, you know, uh, set up for a turn and what the apex is and allowing the car to flow through the turn. And, uh, you know, it's just... It is so much fun, and you walk away with a sense of, um, you know, accomplishment. You have now increased and heightened that ultimate driving machine experience, okay? You become way more where you are more one with the car, okay, uh, if that's what you're looking for. And um, I really, I would encourage you to do that. Um, of course, there's also, again, you know, with COVID, you know, as we are at this date, there's not too many social things going on, but typically there usually is. So there's that stand side of it as well. Okay. Um, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, the time that we got to spend at Laguna Seca um, was just, you know, unbelievable. Okay. We had a fantastic time, he and I. I mean, as a, as a family thing to do, father, son, mom, daughter, uh, you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, uh, it's really, it's really something. Okay. I would really encourage you to, to take some time to learn how to drive your car and getting back to the electronic nannies about halfway through day one, there was one particular corner in particular at Laguna Seca would be turn two for those of uh, those people that know that it's what's called a double apex turn. And, what we realized is, uh, you know, I'm coming out of the second apex on that, and I've got my foot just all the way into it because the car would handle it. And, I mean, I was getting this feeling of, like, geez, the car's not accelerating the way I would think that it should or could, okay? Well, of course, I was so busy driving the car, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that my um, my traction control light was flashing, which means it's in traction control. The electronic nannies are throttling back because it, it realizes I'm at I'm at the edge of adhesion. Okay. I'm pushing the car and it's designed to where, oh, he's almost there. We're gonna we're gonna pull this back. Okay. And my instructor, who of course is in the right seat, um, he's, you know, again, he's not really paying attention to my dashboard or my instrument cluster. And he's like, Are you at are you going to full throttle when you're coming out? Because he felt the same thing. It's like, well we can go faster than this. And I'm going, Yeah. And I go, you know, um, maybe my DSC is modulating. So we go another lap around, and sure enough, we come through. And, and now we are glancing down. And of course, he's looking at my instrument cluster, and he goes, yeah, you're in DSC modulation. And I go, well, how about if I turn it off and let's see what happens? And he goes, okay. And he goes, you understand what that means, right? And I said, yeah, it means I have no traction control. I'm in control of the car. If I push it too far, oh, we could spin out or whatever. I could lose control of the car. So I pushed it off, and next time around, and yes, I was able to drive much faster, okay? So nannies can, you know, hold you back. If your intent is to drive the car fast and have fun with it, the electronic nannies can definitely hold you back. There's no doubt about that, okay? So keep that in mind if you are, you know, trying to drive the car faster, uh, and it does take away from the experience, okay? Uh, but again, keep in mind, if you turn that stuff off, you, you, you demand, you, <laughs> you're, you're the one in control of the car, so uh, there's nothing there to hold you back from potentially losing control of it. But, you know, again, this is, this is part of, you know, this is part of the reason I love BMWs is, you know, they, you can, you can really push them pretty hard as compared to most cars. And again, um, you know, there are models of, models of BMWs that are, do have a harsher ride. Typically, any of the motorsport, the pure motorsport cars are certainly designed for that. That's the whole point why they call them motorsport. Um, they are designed more as a driver performance car. Are they going to have a cushy or, uh, you know, relatively cushy ride? No. No, they won't. But that's not what that car is for. Okay, that car is... is was designed, built, manufactured, and hopefully is owned by someone who wants to drive the car. Okay, so anyway, um, so yeah, uh, 
if you have a chance to get some type uh you know some track time okay um getting back to all the electronic nannies and and you know the technology and all all of that um where are we going with this okay um certainly in this day right now of course the big thing people talk about and and and, and engineers and designers and car manufacturers all talk about that all uh, at some point you know self-driving cars uh level five autonomy okay there are levels of of self-driving cars okay there's lots of cars right now that are at level three um there's some that are getting into level four okay but level five are you ready no driver inputs what does that mean no steering wheel no throttle no brake okay you are a human being in a pod uh, going down the road okay so what does that mean for bmw does it mean the ultimate driving machine becomes the ultimate riding machine you're just human being in a in a car that has like probably four wheels hopefully maybe three four whatever okay and you tell it i want to go here and that's it it takes you there okay uh sure you could do all kinds of other things while you're going you could be doing uh you know paperwork or being on the computer or yakking on your phone or text messaging or you can do all kinds of things as if you were in public transportation except you're not in public transportation you're in a vehicle that is driving you and you'll never have a chance to drive the car okay because there's no driver inputs so is that <laughs> yeah what does a company like bmw or any of these performance companies i mean i i'm sure they're going to be building some models of bmws that are the ultimate riding machine but keep in mind that uh you know people if people think that they can get into a level five autonomous car and go okay i want to go to uh you know the airport and i want to get there in uh, half the time it would normally take so please drive at 100 miles an hour nope it's never going to happen okay uh, unless they change the laws because even in a, an autonomous vehicle cannot be programmed to break the law okay and it doesn't even have to be level five to make that happen there's no autonomous vehicle that if you set it, uh, you know, to where, well, especially if it's level five, because now you, you have no input. There's no throttle. So don't be thinking that you can set it for 85 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour and the speed limit's 55. Guess what speed that car's going to go? 55. And that's assuming traffic permits. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're you're reducing the amount of choices that you have in the driving experience to where you're not even part of the driving experience because you're not driving. Okay, so you know, for a car company, um, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially for the, the the difference performance companies. You know, like Porsche and BMW and maybe Audi, and certainly, you know, <laughs> what about a Ferrari or Lamborghini? or uh you know maserati i mean i i would imagine that they're probably whether they actually get into the level five autonomy or they just leave it completely alone okay because look at you know what what's their design philosophy okay so uh you know it, it's going to be interesting and um you know well <laughs> i mean most of my customers that i've talked with when we get talking about autonomous cars and and again these are all bmw people okay they're going like i'd never want one i why would i want to get into a car that i'm not even driving okay and and these are people that you know they obviously recognize and appreciate and and uh want a the bmw feel they want to drive the car okay so i suppose it's possible many 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 years down the road that uh, every single car out there is an autonomous car. I, I don't think that's really going to happen uh, unless the government forces us all to, to get rid of our cars. You know, I suppose that could happen over time or it may be a, nat a, na a natural, you know, attrition, so to speak. But having said that, uh, we all see, you know, from time to time, Model A's and Model T's running around. OK, 
and we're talking about a hundred year old car and there it is. Okay. Or the people that, you know, from the sixties and seventies that still have the power cars, you know, the high performance cars, especially during the seventies. Okay. Um, you know, the Chevy Chevelles and the, and the, uh, what, whatever, I mean, all the different American domestic muscle cars that were made, they're still out there. Okay. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. But, um, you know, like I say, in talking with customers, they're like, no, I, I want to drive my car. That's why I have a BMW. Okay. So, you know, it, that part of it's going to be interesting. Um, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, again, with all these different electronic nannies and, and, you know, so on and so forth, it becomes, you know, I certainly think about, you know, well, you know, what's the point? Are we reducing the driving experience to only just getting from A to B? I mean, is that what it's going to be all about? And if that's the case, you know, we really, uh, <laughs> we've taken away the opportunity for a lot of things that can happen when you're getting from A to B. And I don't mean necessarily safety stuff, okay? It is, you know, learning to drive the car and be in control of it and have that feedback. And it can and will, it can be certainly not only a physical connection that you're in the car, but it becomes an emotional one. It becomes, um, you know, you are so connected to that car, that machine, and it gives you feedback to where you can make adjustments and you can, if you want to go fast and if you want to go on the racetrack and learn to really drive the car and the sense of accomplishment of being able to do that and, and have, it, <clears throat> have an instructor who knows exactly what that means, okay, and helps you to get to that point if you so desire, okay, um, you know, it's something that you take with you for the rest of your life. And the bottom line is, is that by learning some of these different things, you know, you certainly can uh, in the future, if you are in some sort of, uh, you know, adverse uh, situation, uh, you know how to get out of it. Okay. Instead of being a situation where you're in accident participation, where now these different safety devices, passive safety, so on and so forth, all have to activate to try to protect you and save you, it becomes accident avoidance, okay? You're able to outstop the other car, outmaneuver the other car or whatever it is that's in your way and get around it. And the guy behind you who's not paying attention, who's in a car that is built for cushiness that barely even handles, okay, they become part of the accident and you just steer around it. Okay, that's part of, you know, I talked about active safety and it is active safety is having a car that stops and goes and performs and and does what you tell it to do. Okay, and there's enough feedback there that you you again, if you train yourself and you learn how to drive the car, you will much, much more appreciate your BMW. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, you'll be able to have experiences with it that most people, you know, you're not going to see a Cadillac on the track, at least not normally anyway, okay? And I'm not trying to put them down. It is what it is, okay? Um, you know, years ago, I was at a sales meeting type thing where, again, it was one of these ride and drive type events. As a matter of fact, it was the last one that I got to go to. And we would go, there was different stations where we would do this event or we'd do this thing or whatever. And there was one of them where there was a corporate sales guy there from BMW. And we walk up and we're in this small group and he's talking with us. And he made this comment that <clears throat> I've said this to customers. And I thought at the time that it was almost kind of a really big, like a wow kind of a thing. Okay. It really hit me. Okay. Uh, I've said this to customers, and I've had some people go like, they just look at me like, yeah, whatever. Or, well, yeah, that's just common sense, Brad. But his comment was is that any car manufacturer could build a car just like a BMW. They choose not to. Okay. That, when he said that, it really hit me. Okay. Um, you know, they're... Other manufacturers are building a product to the people, the market they hope will buy it. 
and they've made it differently on intent with intent okay and that's okay okay hopefully there's someone who wants to buy that car and that's what they're looking for um, but you know BMW builds them the way they build them because they're looking for a certain market and you know to sum this up I really you know they've made changes I've been working on these cars now for 37 plus years and owned two of them uh, I've, do I agree with everything they've done over the years no okay I think in some respects they have gone the wrong way okay but that's just me my purse you know my own personal feeling okay uh, they they have you know as I mentioned before they I think they are certainly building designing and building cars for a wider market and that's okay you know their sales are good but um, you know when you're out there and you're looking for a car uh, take your time you know think about what it is that you want that car to do for you okay uh, take your time in, in deciding and looking um, I certainly have done some podcasts in the past that talking about, you know, what to look for in, in getting a car. But you really do need to look at, you know, what kind of a driver are you and what do you want the car to do for you. And hopefully it's more than just getting it from A, getting you and your family from A to B. Because there's certainly so much more that could be uh, accomplished and experienced during that drive. And... You know, to me, the whole the whole thing is is to have fun, and it should be an experience. Okay, uh, driving should be more than just getting A to B, and uh, I think BMWs do a pretty good job in in uh, offering you that opportunity uh, to have more than just an A to B experience. So, I appreciate your time listening. Uh, I hope you got something out of this. Uh, as usual, if you want to get a hold of me via email. It's uh, bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, if you want to check out my webpage for the shop, it's, it's Brad's Motor Works. I'm in uh, Newbury Park, California. And, uh, again, check out that uh, uh, Become a Patron link. And uh, I really appreciate it if you wanted to, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast and, and uh, get some more information than what most people get necessarily get to have but i leave that up to you uh again appreciate your time appreciate you listening and i hope you have a fantastic tomorrow thank you again thank you for listening to this episode it's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you i hope you found this of value please share it with family and friends above all else with all you're getting get understanding may god bless you and keep you, and thank you again.